Welcome to What the Wealth, a financial planning and investment podcast for professionals and families to help you navigate life's financial transitions. Jonathan's mission is to facilitate the ability for you to plan for and create the life you love, free from anxiety about money. And now, here's your host, certified financial planner, Jonathan Bedner. Hello, welcome to the 65th episode of What the Wealth. I'm your host, Jonathan Bedner, Certified Financial Planner. Today, we're going to talk about the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022 that was just signed into law on August 16th. So just a few weeks ago, this was a a stripped down bill, a version of the bill that they tried to pass last year and, and just couldn't get it done. Too many holdouts for for various reasons. But the bill last year was the Build Back Better bill. And there was lots of of stuff packed into that bill. It's going to be very complicated. This bill doesn't have nearly as much information and, and pieces put into it. So I thought we would we would kind of run through it and see see what's in there. Again, so this bill is called the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. It was uh, formerly the Build Back Better bill. This is stripped down. This was actually passed on party line votes and signed. uh, Well, I guess it went to Vice President Kamala Harris for the deciding vote to break the tie. uh, And then it went on to President Biden's desk for signature, which he signed into law on August 16th. There is, I think, a little bit of bait and switch in the name Inflation Reduction Act of 2022, because I don't think that there's a lot in here to actually tame inflation. I think having this bill name something else would have been better, but I wasn't in charge of naming the bill, and they named it Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. So here's where it is. I do find it interesting that according to Penn Wharton budget model, and Penn Wharton is a a nonpartisan research-based organization based out of the University of Pennsylvania that creates economic analysis of, of public policy. And so their research says they believe this will have very minimal, if any, effect on, you know, taming, soaring inflation. And so when you have a third party that kind of researches this and says, you know, I don't know how much impact on inflation this is going to really have bringing it down, you, you kind of wonder, well, will it really bring inflation down or is this a kind of a name, a catchy name? Uh, also, the Congressional Budget Office, a federal agency that provides, again, budget and economic information to Congress, they also say the bill will barely make a dent in inflation in the near term. And they actually think that it could nudge it higher. So it it appears like this just won't have, it's just not going to move the needle on inflation, it doesn't appear like. But I digress. Let's talk about what's in the bill. There are about five main takeaways inside this bill that we're going to kind of run through quickly. The first is a creation of a 15% corporate minimum tax rate. So companies that have at least a billion dollars in income will pay a new tax rate of at least 15%. And so that will be a minimum tax based on on their income. It's also going to create a 
stock buyback tax of 1%. So a lot of times companies will spend part of their money, their earnings, to buy back their own stock and reduce their, their outstanding share count. They do this to, number one, just because they have excess money. And so they've they've already got R&D budget allocated. They have you know payroll. They have all these these budgets allocated, and there's still extra money. So what they do is they'll they'll buy their stock and they reduce the number of outstanding shares. So the next time they report earnings, their earnings are even higher, even better because they have fewer shares. And so the way that that they roll out or they announce their earnings is on an earnings per share basis. So if they have fewer shares, then their earnings per share will be higher the next time they announce. So what they're going to do, what what the government is going to now do is is create a tax of 1% of the buyback amount for companies that buy back stock. Now, I don't think this is going to be enough to actually deter buybacks. It might. You might just see more companies issue dividends instead of of um, of of these buybacks, but I don't think that that tax is high enough to really probably justify companies not doing buybacks. I think you'll still see them do it, but it does create a fifteen percent minimum corporate tax rate plus uh, a one percent stock buyback tax for companies that do buy those stocks. There is not an increase on on individual and household taxes for this. That is still. The current tax rate is still set to sunset out in 2025 uh, when the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act expires. That's what President Trump passed, I believe it was 2017. So uh, that provision is set to expire. This current bill does not increase taxes on individuals and households. The next thing is prescription drug price reform. Now, this might have a little bit of impact on, on inflation. It says that this per, this bill will allow Medicare, now Medicare's uh, health insurance for people that are 65 and older, uh, to negotiate the price of certain prescription drugs. So uh, Medicare can now directly negotiate the price of these drugs, and hopefully that's going to bring down price uh, that uh, consumers pay for their medic medications out of pocket. And then it also says that Medicare recipients will have a $2,000 cap on the annual out-of-pocket prescription drug costs starting in 2025. So Medicare can start negotiating drug prices, which is, I would say, a good thing. And then by 2025, you're going to see a cap, if you're on Medicare, of your maximum out-of-pocket for prescription drugs. That's that's big. It's $2,000. So, you know, depending on on your budget, it can still be a, a pretty hefty uh, expense, but knowing that there is a cap starting in 2025 of 2000 is is a good thing. The next is IRS tax enforcement. So apparently, the IRS has been saying for years that they are are un, underfunded and unable to deliver on its duties. So what this bill does is it invests $80 billion into the IRS for auditors and agency members to, I, I guess, go back and enforce uh, IRS tax, you know, people's tax liabilities, uh, probably audit, those sort of things. So 
there is $80 billion being pumped into the IRS to, to beef up that agency. So I would I would expect taxes to get a little bit more strict for for people in the future. The next thing is the Affordable Care Act subsidy extension. So currently right now, the Affordable Care Act, ACA, uh, is subsidized by the federal, federal government uh, to help lower premiums. So depending on your income, you may qualify if you don't have health insurance through work or, or some sort of Medishare group policy, something like that, then a lot of people, small business owners, retirees, that sort of stuff, early retirees, not, not if you're Medicare age, but early retirees may go to the exchange, the Affordable Care Act exchange to get health insurance. And so depending on your income, that health insurance may be subsidized by the federal government to help keep your premiums low. These subsidies were originally scheduled to expire at the end of this year, at the end of 2022. Now, with this bill passing and and now signed into law, that extension, that subsidy extension will be extended through 2025. So another, you know, three years, 23, 24, 2025 for those, those premium subsidies. So I think that's good news for a lot of people that, that, are on the Affordable Care Act and need the Affordable Care Act for health insurance. This, uh, this what I'm reading actually goes on to say approximately 3 million Americans could lose their health insurance if those subsidies weren't extended. That's a big deal. 3 million people not having health insurance because of this premium going away. So having that extension is a big deal for a lot of families. And then the final thing is, looks like an energy policy uh, for for climate change. So the the bill includes a couple of provisions for climate protection, and this will include tax credits for households to offset energy costs, investments in clean energy production, and then tax credits aimed at reducing carbon emissions. So there are some some provisions there, again, just to help probably move our country closer towards clean energy, renewable energy, that sort of stuff. So there's some tax credits for uh, for those. So th- this specifically says, including tax credits for households to offset energy costs. My guess is that's something like, you know, tax credits for solar panels and, and stuff like that to, to help offset, again, clean energy. So that is really... The Inflation Reduction Act, in a nutshell. I mean, we went through it pretty quick. It is not anything that is really too. There's not a lot of stuff packed into this, so it's it's pretty simple and straightforward. I don't think there's a lot of change for many people in this. I think maybe a few things with the Affordable Care Act, maybe a few things with prescription drug prices and Medicare recipients. For the most part, it looks like a lot of this was really aimed at you know, creating this 15% corporate minimum tax rate and a 1% excise tax on share buybacks. One of the things that I, that was not in this bill that was in the previous Build Back Better bill that did not get passed last year is the, the backdoor Roth IRA loophole. Now, this is a known loophole. It is legal loophole, but it is a loophole. And the idea is that depending on your income, you might make too much money to contribute directly to an IRA. 
And so what a lot of people will do is they will contribute to a, uh, excuse me, make too much money to contribute directly to a Roth IRA. So what people will do is they will contribute to a IRA. They will not get a tax deduction for it because their income is too high. And then they will immediately convert that to a Roth IRA, which, and, and that loophole is allowed. So there was talks last year about that uh, loophole getting closed and not being allowed to, to do that anymore. Uh, obviously, the bill did not get passed last year. It is not in this current bill. I'm sure that will come up again at some point. But for right now, the backdoor Roth IRA strategy continues to live on, something that we help clients execute uh, year in and year out as a way to get money into a Roth IRA. There's also a couple other ways you can get money to a Roth IRA. We're not going to talk about those today. But again, that's just one of the things that kind of stood out in my mind of one of the things that was not in this that's had a lot of talk lately, I say lately, over the last year or so around. So something to think about. If you have questions, reach out, Jonathan at whatthewealth.com. Thanks for listening. If you haven't already subscribed, subscribe to the podcast. And then you can also go to YouTube, type in What the Wealth, Jonathan Bedner, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Be confident in your retirement. Thank you for joining us on What the Wealth. For more information, get in touch with Jonathan at whatthewealth.com. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any information that can help you create the life you love. of this podcast is educational and general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a final decision. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Paradigm Wealth Partners, a registered investment advisor and separate entity from LPL Financial. This information is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized tax advice. We suggest that you discuss your specific tax issues with a qualified tax advisor.